Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This week on the Chicago Bears Review. In 2017, with a first-year head coach and a second-year quarterback, The Rams shocked the world, won the NFC West, and made the playoffs. And even with the target on their back, they look to do it all again and much more in 2018. Can the Rams stay on top in the West, or are they one and done? Brad Mater from Locked on Rams joins us on the final NFC West preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review. Fourth and final NFC West opponent preview episode. I believe it's number 10. Yeah, number 10 of 14 as we uh, finish up the NFC West and move on to the NFC North and wrap this baby up just in time for training camp. What's going on, everybody? Larity back for the fourth and final NFC West opponent preview episode of the Chicago Bears Review featuring last year's surprise division champ, the LA Rams and in a few minutes we will have our our new friend Brad Mater the trader from Locked on Rams to uh to help us preview this team talk about what a what a roller coaster uh 2017 was even going into the off season you know ending the the Jeff Fisher era and 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 hiring uh you know McVay and 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 all the moves and everything to prepare for 2017 and then watching it all work out and then at the same time Basically, how the Rams have kind of pushed their chips to the center of the table and gone all in to try to strike while the iron is hot and and go from being a playoff team to being a Super Bowl contender in 2018. You hear me tell him, and I, and I think I mentioned it last week or last episode as well, that uh, when I was looking at the uh, NFL preview magazines for 2018, every single one has the Rams repeating as division champ. Two of them have them making the Super Bowl, and one has them winning. Uh, the Super Bowl. I forget which one it was. I think it was maybe Street and Smith or something like that. But uh, has them uh, beating the Steelers in Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta uh, next February. So, I mean, there's there's very high expectations. And, um, you know, basically uh, an understanding that the moves that the Rams have made really have made them better and that will improve their chances of me being able to make it through the gauntlet that is the NFC. I mean, it is a uh, a loaded conference right now i mean and it's it's loaded because there are a lot of good football teams in it and because there's also a lot of potential in this division as well i mean we've talked about it a ton just with these four teams in the nfc west i mean the rams on paper are head and shoulders the best team in the division can the 49ers um keep up what they finished up five straight wins two of them over playoff teams well three if you want to count the the, the no-nonsense win at the end of the, uh, Week 17 when the Rams sat everybody. 
But, um, you know, can Arizona bounce back with this new coach, this new attitude uh, and everything? And then, of course, there's the Seattle Seahawks. You can never count them out. I mean, those three teams that we just talked about there, Arizona, Seattle, and um, San Francisco, none of those teams made the playoffs, but people are expecting big things from all of them. Then you have, you know, with the with the with the North and, you know, what the Bears might be capable of. Can Detroit uh, do something? You know, they've they've added LeGarrette Blunt. They've they've got a running. They supposedly have a running game now. Matt Patricia hopefully puts some focus on the defense to help out their offense, which has always been good. Aaron Rodgers returns in Green Bay. Those three teams right there didn't make the playoffs and have potential to do so, along with Minnesota right now being the class of the division. And we can do that for the South that had three playoff teams in it last year. And the team in the division that didn't was the one that was really supposed to in being the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Can they bounce back from what they didn't do a year ago? And then you have the NFC East. Will Washington thrive with Alex Smith instead of Kirk Cousins at quarterback? Can the Cowboys rebound from a bad year? You know, uh, can the Giants, uh, w- with their new weapons and Saquon Barkley and and, and all a uh, healthy Odell Beckham and everything, will they be able to come back? And can the Eagles repeat uh, as the class of the division? I mean, we just did all 16 teams right there, and there's a legitimate case to be made for all of them to make the playoffs in 2018. It's going to be a a murderous conference to get through this year i mean and that's the thing about the the way that the nfl schedule is shaped is that you play what like 12 11 or 12 i think 12 of your 16 games against people in your conference you got your six division games you got four against your outer division team then you have your two same place teams that's 12 games that's 75 percent of your schedule inside the conference and you know a lot can be told there uh, as far as what you're going to be able to do uh, going forward. So, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing uh, what the teams in the NFC are going to have to go through in order to A, make the playoffs, and B, make it through the playoffs to get to Atlanta and Super Bowl 53. So, not a whole lot to talk about. Actually, I don't have much of anything. Uh, one, one interesting thing that I did see... Um, on the you know when I was trying to find some news and notes and everything was that Akeem Hicks is pissed at the people of Madden who people who make Madden uh, 19 which is set to come out here in a few weeks because Akeem's rating took a little bit of a dip this year last year for Madden 18 Akeem Hicks was rated at number 86 overall and this year he's 85 overall now not a big dip but um, Akeem has a point. He's like, how did my rating get worse when I had a better season? You know, for the second year in a row, he set his career mark in sacks. He had more tackles. He was more of an animal. And he was, I think, one of the only guys on the field for the Bears that played in all 16 games uh, last year. He is a rarity as far as being able to answer the bell for all 16 Sundays. And somehow his rating went down a step so uh he's telling the people at madden to fix my damn rating because i'm better than i was two years ago and and you know he took a i mean it's like i said not a big hit but going from 86 to 85 when you had a better season that actually i I can see his point that does not make any sense so uh akeem hicks was was ranting and telling the people of madden they need to fix his rating uh (laughs) if uh 
You know, if they want to be true to themselves and true to the game, Akeem Hicks was a better player in 2017 than he was in 2016, and his rating should reflect that, and yet his rating got a little bit worse. So uh, I just thought that was funny that he was, uh, and true, as a matter of fact, like I said, I can see the, I can see his argument. He did have a better season in 2017, and uh, somehow his rating took a dip, and uh, the people of Madden do need to go ahead uh, and fix that. So... Like I said, I don't have anything else. Um, basically, it's just a bunch of uh, you know, a bunch of stuff out there talking about the potential of what could and could not happen. I feel like we just kind of did that real quick about what a what a murderer's row the NFC is going to be uh, this year, and at no surprise whatsoever, in all of those magazines that I looked at, there were four of them. It was either New England or Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl for all in in all four of those uh, magazines. So they didn't throw out a ring. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Random Denver or a Kansas City or, you know, or anything uh, like that. It's like, nope, it'll be New England or it'll be Pittsburgh. Those were the, you know, of the, the four magazines in there. I think it was an even two and two split on Pittsburgh or New England uh, making the Super Bowl in the AFC. And that's the problem with the AFC. There needs to be a new, a couple of new teams uh, coming out of there to, to you know, reclaim the, uh, reclaim the, the you know, to, to add some parity to, to that half of the, uh, of the league because that, that half of the league is boring. It, it really is. It's always going to be these one or two teams and all credit in the world goes to those teams for being those two teams you know, always in the mix. And when Denver was, was hot, they, they were constantly in the mix. And when Peyton was in, in Indianapolis, they were always in the mix. So instead of two teams, it was four. You know what I'm saying? And then maybe every once in a while, the Ravens would be a contender uh, to make it five. But, um, you know, it was always going to be New England or Pittsburgh. And, that, and, and since Peyton left Indianapolis, it's always been New England or Pittsburgh. And then Denver got in there once or twice. So it's... Um, it's boring on that half of the division because it's such a top-heavy uh, conference that uh, it's not really entertaining to keep an eye on. You know, it really could have uh, been uh, Jacksonville, but as we uh, talked about when we did the New England conversation uh, with um, with Alex Shane, that uh, the the Patriots, well, the Patriots are the Patriots, and the Jaguars. I don't know if they panicked or if they wanted to put it on cruise control or whatever the case was. They were all about attacking, attacking, attacking for like the first two, three quarters of the football game. And then the second they took their foot off the gas, New England took advantage and ended up winning the AFC championship game and going back to the Super Bowl 
when it could have been a, a uh, as good as the Super Bowl was, it would have been much more interesting going into it, at least, for it to be Philly and Jacksonville, because then we would have a true brand new champion as opposed to, well, it's either going to be somebody different or it's going to be New England again. So hopefully that will happen in our lifetime and we'll see some new blood in the AFC and open things up over there. But we know as fans of a team in the NFC, it's always exciting on this half because the competition is heavy. Competition is heavy in the NFC. So anyway, that's going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and step aside, bring on our friend Brad Mater, the trader. We do talk to him about that traitorous, that traitorous uh, you know, ability of his and, and why he did what he did and why he chose to do it. And you will not believe his answer as far as how long he has actually been a Rams fan. I don't know if this will make you like him more or less or, or what have you. Uh, his answer is legit. You know, I don't say he's getting a pass from me, but I, I guess I get it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was expecting a much different answer than the one I got. So you guys will enjoy this. Here we go. Brad Mater, the trader from Locked on Rams, helping us preview the 2018 LA Rams. The fourth and final piece of our NFC West preview takes us to the top of the division and a surprise team from a year ago, the 2017 NFC West champions, the L.A. Rams, uh, with a second year quarterback, a first year coach who's just got out of, you know, just finished puberty, became a head coach in Sean McVay. Uh, they shocked the world. They go 11 and five. They make the playoffs, win the division and here to help us uh preview the team in 2018 and the expectations that they have to live up to and, and, and deal with all year. Uh, Brad Mater from the Locked on Rams podcast. Brad, welcome to the show. Hey, appreciate it. Uh, man, that intro was great. I love hearing <laughs> all that. It's crazy to hear you just say Los Angeles Rams on top of the division, uh, how far we've come in a short time. But yeah, thanks for having me on. Not a problem. Well, actually, we do have a problem, Brad, because I have a question. <laughs> Uh, yeah. and, and when we were emailing each other back and forth, uh, talking about having you on the show and, and all that kind of stuff, uh, you mentioned that you were a Chicago native. You were born in Chicago, still an avid Cubs fan, but somehow um, you went down the path to the dark side and you are not a Bears fan. Um, what the hell, bro? <laughs> Yeah, so I was I was born in the Midwest, uh, born in Michigan, born and raised uh, Bears, Cubs, Bulls, Midwest. Uh, but yeah, as my travels took me around, uh, I moved around a lot, and I, I stayed true. Cubs were always and always have been my number one passion. That and the Michigan Wolverines kind of were birthed into me from from the get go. Uh, but as I kind of started traveling a little bit and uh, had to go through. Obviously, those Jay Cutler days and mm. pick your quarterback days, um, you know, I started to kind of fade off a little bit. And then I moved out to L.A. Uh, the exact same day the Rams did. So I was sitting at the airport having a beer, uh, starting my adventure, moving to Los Angeles. And they announced the team was moving. And it just kind of clicked. I said, you know what? I don't I don't have to be so much of a bandwagon fan because they were a terrible team at that point. Uh, and I was excited to have a, a new team in my new city. And I kind of just 
uh, picked it up and was interested more in, in following them. And then a buddy of mine said, hey, man, no one's doing a podcast about this yet. You want to just – you always love talking sports. Let's just jump on and, and talk about it. And the more and more we covered them and Hard Knocks was that year and we just kind of got deeper and deeper involved in the team, went through the Jeff Fisher pain uh, and then just kind of really – enjoyed the fan base and there I was I had to make a decision you know do I carry two teams I got a lot of crap from my family my brother is still a huge Bears fan uh gives me crap to this day so I, I do appreciate you, you not letting me slide because a lot of people let me slide and um but I, I made that decision where it's kind of one of those things where I I still uh enjoy the Bears in a sense you know I, I want to see them do well but I've really put a lot of time and commitment into the LA Rams and and the excite exciting things that are going on over here so uh if I had to rank them yeah the Bears have slowly you know fallen off and I put all that Chicago love I just load that up into the Cubbies they're actually out here in LA as we speak so this is a new thing for you <laughs> this is kind of, yeah this is this is a new thing. Um, okay, the, see that I didn't know. Trans- I was thinking yeah. that that maybe this was something like, you know, the you, you know when you were younger and and the Bears were awful in the in the mid to late nineties, and then here comes Kurt Warner and the best show on turf, and you've been sucked in since then. You got in on the ground floor with the last Jeff Fisher team in Los Angeles. Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly what I'm telling you. So oh, I, I lived out in Seattle for a while, and the further and further I lived overseas in Australia, kind of just I kind of let the Bears go a little bit emotionally since mm. where I started with them when I was living in Chicago and going to games and you know hanging out with the family. And uh, I kind of just opened up with uh, yeah when I moved, I I, I just kind of got so fed up with the Bears and uh, didn't really have that same connection to them. And like I said, I kind of just jumped on board with curiosity with the Rams and started with the, you know, the whole podcast of being like, let's talk sports and let's get on the mic. And next thing you know, you just get so invested in the guys. And then as you see them go and get that number one draft pick and you can kind of see some excitement there, even though at the time we weren't, you know, me and my co-host uh, James Kroger that we do the show with over at Rams podcast, we didn't, Really, we weren't really excited about uh, Jared Goff to start, and we wanted him to play more in his rookie year. We never really thought he got a fair shake until you know last year with Sean McVay. He got that opportunity, and and now we're starting to kind of understand you know what they saw in him you know when they drafted him a couple years ago. Right. Um, so yeah, I uh, I gave you a nickname the last couple of weeks uh, doing these NFC West <laughs> shows while I was kind of you know you know, teasing the the episodes to come and, you know, talking about you and, you know, born into a Chicago Bear family or a Chicago-represented family, still a Cubs fan uh, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I've nicknamed you Brad Mater, the traitor. And um, <laughs> I say that with I, I, all due respect because like uh, yeah, at, no, at the very good. least you, you got in when there was no reason for you to do it. Um, so I give you credit for that. Uh, you got in when you know when when Jeff Fisher was still the coach. A horrible year for you to start out there, and um, you know it, it turned around quickly for you. But um, you know you got in when you basically had no incentive whatsoever, and, and uh, so I, I I you know I'm not gonna let you slide, but I can take <laughs> it easy on you for the fact that you got in when you did. Yeah, I wish this was a, a stock investment here. I, I'd be really <laughs> paying off pretty well at this point. But yeah, this is all just fandom. And even out here in LA, you got you know, there's a lot of old school fans here. 
uh, people that came over with you know the team as far as being a St. Louis fan, they were invested when they picked Todd Gurley and some of their young talent. Uh, so it's even trying to show them that we deserve to be you know all a part of the group. But I think when you go through you know a four-win season and you know even following along in the NFL and watching Jeff Fisher and seeing that struggle and then kind of getting it firsthand, uh, watching it so closely. Uh, I think I've earned a little bit of my keep here in LA, but yeah, it's a, uh, it's a new adventure for us out here and, you know, couldn't be more excited about the way that it's heading and how fast it's coming together. I mean, right. because that's the one big thing out here that, you know, as we got some of these pieces and when Sean McVay was announced, you know, I mean, I remember running to Google really quick and being like, who the heck is this guy? And then mm-hmm. as you mentioned, you know, I was thinking who's going to buy him beer in LA when he gets out here. I mean, right. this guy's so young and. And, but then you kind of get to know him and you and you feel the passion and energy and what he brings to the team and then how fast it happened was just I think what's what's you know is crazy with as you talked about those expectations is you know how fast everything came and then the level of expectations those are rising so fast it's kind of it's fun to watch but it's it's going to be an interesting season for sure so I mean you know I mean not to mention you you got in on the ground floor on a season that was the that suck fest was documented on the all or nothing uh series on on amazon have you had a chance to watch that yeah yeah i did i enjoyed it obviously to the extent of i just love watching that beside behind the scenes type of yeah. football action yeah i went back and i actually watched the dallas cowboys one this last year and, and now i totally understand why no one wants des bryant uh his own team seemed like they didn't want him you know in the coaching rooms and things like that but it gave you a peek back into you know, the core of this team and, and that you could see that one, there was obviously some, some talent there with, uh, you know, the young core pieces of Todd Gurley and just hoping that Jared Goff would turn around. Uh, but you could see kind of those key leadership pieces, even in, um, you know, Saffold in the offensive line. And, and, you know, he didn't have the greatest of year, but you could tell he was a leader in the making and he just needs some pieces around him and, and that we could kind of build off that. And then obviously Aaron Donald, I mean, it's just a beast. Uh, so I did enjoy watching that. It was a struggle. Uh, and you realize we, you know, that year we lost probably three or four games within uh, two to three points. So there were a lot of heartbreaking losses that year as well. So the record didn't really show, but at the same time it did because that was, you know, the epitome of Jeff Fisher was just like coming up short and being let down all the time. Right. So we go into 2017 and we'll just, you know, recap this one. Uh, real quick, I mean, the, nothing was really expected, or at least nothing that happened was what was expected uh, from the team. Maybe you'll see a spark. Maybe we'll see some uptick in offense because you couldn't get any worse than the Rams were in 2016. 14 points a game. I mean, good God, that is that is historically bad uh, yeah. offense right there. And you know, like McVay, he was you know somewhat of an offensive genius. You know, running the ship in in Washington as an offensive coordinator in his late twenties. I mean, that's unprecedented uh, in the NFL. He he does get the call that they love him in L.A. and he brings the one of the best defensive coordinators ever with him to the Rams, and that seemed to kind of be the the equalizer that really helped things. You know, even out. Um, you know, the defense was good or decent. They had a lot of great pieces in 2016, but they took it to another level in 2017, and then they had an offense to back it up. Yeah, that that addition of Wade Phillips was unbelievable. I mean, we get the the young, you know, energetic, offensive-minded, you know, genius as as some are throwing it out there. Some being me, you know, out here right. on the podcast as you're watching some of these play calls and some of the fun things he does with the offense, but. Um, when he picked up Wade Phillips, it was the perfect 
uh, yin to the yang as far as not only age and personality, uh, but then, you know, countering and getting one of the best defensive minds in football and, you know, coming in and, and giving them one of the def- best defensive players in football. Um, you know, we had we had some pieces and, you know, we had some places where we had some holes, but obviously they've they've kind of addressed that this offseason. It was kind of fun watching, you know, the first offseason, you know, going to get an Andrew Whitworth, which was huge for a young quarterback to be able to, you know, kind of hold down that line. John Sullivan in the center position, um, you know, was key for getting Todd Gurley those holes and then adding a couple of wide receivers, you know, in the not only through the draft with Cooper Cup, which was an amazing hit for us as far as you know, value where we got him and, and production and, and the type of player he is. But then having Robert Woods come in and everyone kind of be like, well, yeah, we, we know who he is. Obviously a big SC guy, uh, probably saw, be- you know, the best part of his careers when he was at SC. He had some okay times at Buffalo, but never really jumped off the map. So kind of came in underrated, uh, but did amazing for Jared Goff and almost put up a thousand yards. Probably would have if they didn't sit him in week 17. Uh, side story, really quick side story. They, the Rams did an awesome thing. The organization actually, there was a bonus in his, um, you know, contract. If he got to a thousand yards, he ended up making like 250,000 extra dollars. Uh, he was 17 yards short, something like that. And so the Rams went ahead and paid him his bonus anyway. And basically said, you know, if we played you week 17, you would have gotten it. So they honored that, which was pretty awesome. But, uh, a lot of key pieces came in and, and it all just clicked right away. And obviously you saw the turnaround. You mentioned, 14 points per game uh, the year before, and then they end up leading the league in offense. It was amazing, <clears throat> amazing turnaround. I mean, not to mention, you know, it did take a ton of pressure off Gurley, who ended up being a runner-up in the MVP race. You know, that's how that's how much the the the, the extra pieces took the pressure off of him because now we have to pay attention to Sammy Watkins. We have to watch Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. You know, we got to keep an eye on him. So you can't just load eight, nine guys into the box and pin your ears back and go get Todd Gurley because that's the only offense we know the Rams have. Exactly. And they also threw the ball to Todd Gurley. You know, he's a great, um, you know, receiving running back. And that just wasn't utilized when Jeff Fisher was here. There was kind of like, I mean, there was times when we were getting, letting Case Keenum throw the ball 40 plus times. I think it was three games in a row case keenum had 40 plus passing attempts and no knock on case keenum he's found his way in this league obviously at this point uh but at that point it was you know he was really the best option and uh they were kind of protecting Goff. but Gurley wasn't getting the love that he deserved and when he did like you said they stacked the box they were like yeah i'll, I'll go ahead let case keenum throw 40 times and beat us we're gonna stack this box and dare you to run it uh so being able to get the ball into Gurley's hands in different ways. We saw it last year. I mean, he was an amazing uh, pass catcher and scored touchdowns, you know, just as plenty that way. Uh, So that's another thing that was really exciting for Gurley was allowing not just to be a running back, but to be just the athlete that he is and just get the ball in his hands, however it may be, a dump screen or a little, you know, three and out and let him do what he does, jump over people and stiff arm people and, and get to the end zone. So you finished the year uh, eleven and five, uh, heads head and shoulders above the the rest of the teams in the NFC West. Win the division by two games, and you lost uh, the meaningless game in, in week seventeen. You could have had twelve and four if you had to put a team on the field that weekend. And um, you go into the uh, postseason for the first time since what twenty eleven, twenty twelve? Yeah, something yeah. like that. And um, unfortunately, the. Uh, the experience of the Falcons seemed to be a bit too much uh, for the Rams in that one. Uh, they send the Rams home early after a, a wild card loss. 
Yeah, it was a tough one. Um, two really big mistakes on special teams by Farrell Cooper, who was a pro bowler that year in the return game. Uh, he dropped punts with inside of his 20, gave him great field position. They didn't get a massive amount of points. I don't think they scored a touchdown. Maybe they got 10 points out of that. Uh, but th- those are the type of things that just, you know, shoot yourself in the foot. And you're right, the experience. You could tell they just kind of they got off to a slow start. Obviously, the turnovers didn't help. Um, but they kind of got rolling a little bit late, but we just ran out of time. By the time you could see that this team kind of clicked and said, oh, crap, we're the 11-win you know, win team that just went up to Seattle and you know blew this team out a couple weeks ago. Uh, they just kind of got rolling too late. Couldn't make that big defensive stop at the end of the game. We had a couple missed tackles that you know allowed the Falcons to kind of get down the field, score again, and really kind of put it away. But it was it was a great learning experience for them. I know they you know internally are going to probably you know say that as well. But um, you know it was it was a big loss at the same time. You know you had high expectations not only in that season. You got so far. You performed so well. Best offense. You have your home game. You know night game. First playoff game in L.A. and you know God knows when. Right back when you know the old old school L.A. Rams were here in the Coliseum and it was just kind of a uh, you know everyone was kind of left like uh, that feeling of getting punched in the stomach so I think everyone's really excited to get back to football here and get another crack at it because I think everyone kind of had higher expectations last year which is crazy to think right mm-hmm. um, but once we got rolling uh, you want more you want more especially in this market out here in LA uh, just like Chicago big sports market where they high expectations even during the season as you're winning uh, the expectations and the bar is going to continue to raise so um, excited for them to get back on the field and take another crack at it this year. So we go into into the postseason, and there isn't a lot of activity free agency wise. I mean, you you sign uh, Sam Shields, you add him to the your defensive backfield. You go out and you get in Dominican Sue. You win the Dominican Sue sweepstakes. There were a few teams uh, courting him, but it's the Rams in the end that uh, that win his services. But where the Rams made their biggest moves was via trade. Uh, in the offseason, very old school uh, of the Rams to to add their pieces uh, via trade. And Marcus Peter from Kansas City for a 2019 second rounder and a 2018 fourth rounder, Aqib Tlaib for a fifth rounder, which I think is a steal, to be honest with you. And then Brandon Cooks and a fourth round pick for a first rounder, your first round pick this year and a sixth rounder um, this year as well. Um, You know, those are three huge pieces along with Ndamukong Sue. That really just showed the Rams were pushing all their chips to the center of the table for 2018. Yeah, that was such a fun couple weeks out here in LA. It was just day after day. There was it was you know you're waking up to breaking news of the Rams made an aggressive deal to go get a guy that is a Pro Bowler and multi-time Pro Bowler. Um, Talib, such a great fit, you know, like you said, for that fifth round or whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, ended up being so awesome of a steal. Gets back with Wade Phillips, where he had a couple of his best years of his career with. Knows the system. No, it's not going to take time to to settle in. Then we go and get Marcus Peters right after that. Uh, the young version, right, kind of has the same attitude uh, that Talib has as far as very competitive guys, very risk-taking guys on the field. Loves to go get the ball. Um, and they, those two together kind of work well because it's almost like what we talked about earlier with our head coach and our defense coordinator has that age difference, that experience that, you know, both have that passion. Uh, and it, in, in the Wade Phillips system, it's just really perfect. And all this is cracking off before the NFL league year officially started, right? They kind yeah. of announced these even before it cracked off. Uh, and then, you know, the, the cherry on top for getting Sue 
was amazing. And I love for us to go get our number one wide receiver. We let Sammy Watkins go, which was a big debate on our podcast for weeks coming up, was what are we going to do? Who are we going to franchise tag? I love that we ended up franchise tagging uh, Joyner, uh, safety position, LaMarcus Joyner, because you know he is just another young stud who is ball hawking, big hitter, leader in, in that you know secondary as well. And um, you know Watkins, as much as he was fun to watch for the year, just never seemed to really gel, which is crazy. I think he ended up having eight touchdowns. Uh, mm-hmm. Six of them were inside the five-yard line, I believe. Uh, so he was never – I think he had one really big deep ball, a couple big games. Other than that, we didn't know how to get him in. I don't know if that was through you know, McVay kind of spreading the ball around or whatnot. Um, but we, we went back and basically said, we're not going to pay you that much money. He was asking for too much. And I love that because we have a lot of people to pay, including Aaron Donald right now. And then, multiple, you know, so many people in the next year. So uh, the trade for Brandon Cooks was huge. We went out and got our number one wide receiver. Uh, you know, he fits into this system perfect. Great speed, great route runner. And we don't really – he's really the only switch in the offense. And it's just kind of plug and chug, go into number one and, and you know, do what you do best, which he's done, you know, for the past four years, averaging over 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns. So – uh, really excited about that piece as well. But, man, it was really fun beginning of the summer. And at a point where we kind of started to, um, you know, not have these big moves, where we kind of made all our moves and we were done, uh, everyone kind of was looking around, scratching their head, like, "How? it's been like two weeks since we've added a Pro Bowler. What's going on, L.A.? we got we got to add another guy. But um, this team is stacked. And you're right, pushing the chips in. Uh, Les Snead has done an amazing job out here. It wasn't too long ago as we talked Jeff Fisher uh, a couple of years ago, is that people thought they were hand in hand. If if we were firing Fisher, Les Snead was going to be walking them out the door as well. Um, he he cans Fisher, gets this young coach, and all of a sudden, you know, makes move after move after move, and now all of a sudden, Les Snead is up there as one of the you know the better GMs in in the league right now. So again, how fast things can change. Yeah, it's kind of hard to think that a team could lose Janoris Jenkins and Tremaine Johnson. In their corner feet, and as as their starting cornerbacks, and get better uh, at the position. I mean, those guys are pretty good, and yet you double down and, and uh, you add Marcus Peters and Aqib Talib, who are two of the best, and you get them in the same offseason, like within days of each other. Uh, those moves, you know, come back to back. Then you add a monster with Sue and pair him up with Aaron Donald. Whenever you get that thing resolved, and uh, you know, just just on paper alone, the defense is frightening. And then you have you add Brandon Cooks to an offense that was greatly improved uh, in 2017, and he does better. He does things. He does more things, and he does them better than Sammy Watkins did. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that you look at that you're just so excited about. Last year, you didn't really know what to expect. You kind of were just hoping we can compete within our division. We take off, and all of a sudden, have one of the best offenses. The turnaround was amazing. And then you're right, we add all these defensive pieces, and it was kind of like, all right, Wade, you, you stuck it out one year. We, we really bulked up on the offense year one. Year two, we're going to give you the defense. And now we're looking across the ball, and we're, and we're kind of confused on, like, which side we think is actually going to be better this year. You know, we had the number one offense, and we're looking across and going, but our defense might actually be better this year than our offense. And it's just an awesome problem to have, but those practices are going to be fun to watch, um, you know, during camp and, and getting into the season. So what's going on with the Aaron Donald thing right now? I mean, are they are they talking right now? I mean, any idea how far apart they are on what he wants and what what they're offering or anything like that? 
Yeah, the one thing I got to give them credit for is they've they've held a lot behind closed doors, which is awesome. You've seen a lot of these contract negotiations get ugly and saying, you know, we're not even close and this guy's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they start kind of getting into that and letting the media get media get too involved. Uh, they shared a little bit. The, the You know, McVeigh's done a great job with it because every day when he's allowed to step to the podium, it's, you know, asked three times because obviously – you know, the reigning defensive player of the year. We had to go through this last year. He actually missed the first game of the season due to just coming back, and they didn't want to put him out there because he came back like two days before that. Um, but as McVeigh kind of joked, he said, he's actually returning my text this year, so that's good. So he, they're kind of making, fun, kind of playing along with it. And, you know, everything seems in good nature right now. And they had kind of a, a presser the other day where Les Snead was interviewed. And he said that they're continuing to have conversations. They're getting closer and closer. Uh, he, ex- he hopes that he can get it done before camp, if not, you know, early into camp. So that's their target. I think all of us here in Rams Nation is the same target. Like, we would love to get him in there because you mentioned him and Sue working together. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a transition for Ndamukong as far as the defense. He's usually a 4-3 guy. Now he's coming in a 3-4 uh, and just kind of working next to a guy with that type of talent. We'd love to get them, you know, practicing together and kind of working and building that chemistry in camp. So uh, I think they're going to get it. They're definitely going to get it done. I don't think they're going to try to play this thing going into another year. Try to, you know, there's talks about like, oh, maybe they'll try to franchise tag them next year. I think when you have the best player, you know, questionably in the game. I mean, they just did the top 100. I was shocked to see Aaron Donald come in at seven. Um I, I think he's easy has a case for number two, if not, you know, being number one. I, I get it with Tom Brady. I mean, the, the guy's the goat. But um, when you got that guy in your team, you lock him up. Uh, I think he's going to get probably in the range of 20 to 24 million per. Uh, but they haven't really mm-hmm. expressed about how close they are. Uh, but they, they all are saying that they're, you know, it's, it's better than it was last year and they're expecting to get it done, which I think out here, my, my, uh, meter as far as, uh, freaked out about it is still really low at this point. But as we get closer to camp and as camp gets going, obviously that's going to go up and up because we just want them in camp. We want them there with, with the rest of the team. You know, the Aaron Donald thing is such a, such a bittersweet thing as a Bears fan. Do you have any idea why? Well, uh, I'm trying to think where you guys drafted that year. Right um, after the Rams. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Leading up to that draft, this is the 2014 draft. Okay. The, the Basically, we had like two hurdles to get Aaron Donald. One was like Tampa Bay because Lovey Smith is all about, I mean, that would, be, that would be his Tommy Harris to plug into the middle of that th- uh, 4-3 Defense let him wreak havoc next to Gerald McCoy. The Bucks are, you know, monsters. Then was like, if the other rumor was, if he got past the Giants at 12, then he's ripe for the Bears at 14. Instead, here come the Rams who have picked defensive linemen in the first round four out of the last five years out of nowhere take Aaron Donald. And just like that, it's like, well, they stole our player. But the guy's playing with five other first rounders. I mean, you know, all that kind of, you know, what's what, what what can he actually do? And he's a monster for the for the Rams from day one. He was an absolute machine, which is what his game tape from from college said he was going to be. And you know, you just watch him and it's like one stinking pick, one pick he wow. could have been ours, one, <laughs> and not so, even the one we were so expecting. If he goes to Tampa Bay, I'm not surprised. If he goes to the Giants, I'm not surprised because. 
that's what we were hearing. Those were the hurdles we had to clear for Donald to get to us. And instead, at 13, not 12, 13, the Rams take him out of nowhere. And he belongs to you guys. He never gets to be a bear. And we have to watch him wreak havoc all over the league when we were one pick away from that being our guy doing that to everyone else. So, yeah. That really and I may stings. still be a Bears fan if that happened. You yeah, never know. maybe. You never know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, but watching Aaron Donald thrive, it's, as a football fan, it's awesome because the guy is just amazing. You know, he's he's an interior lineman but is constantly in the backfield. He's a pass-rushing threat, and he's awesome against the run. He's the total package. Like you said, you know, shocked that he was at number seven. I would say at least top top five, top three you know, that is where he should be. You know, he's just an awesome, awesome player. But he was one pick away from being ours, man. He was, I mean, his name was on the freaking card, man. They were just waiting oh. for it to be their turn. And instead, we had to settle for Kyle Fuller, who just last year remembered he was a first round pick during his contract season of all seasons. Surprise, surprise. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, yeah big <laughs> shocker. And, uh, you know, now he's we're stuck with him for another four years because we signed him to a long-term deal, but it could have been Aaron Donald, and that really sucks. So, yeah, there's a very bittersweet thing when it comes to Aaron Donald and watching him just be a monster. I was like, I don't wish any ill will on the kid. He didn't decide where he went, but, you know, right. just luck, serendipity, whatever you want to call it, stepped in between and, and got in front of the, the Bears in, in, the, in, the, in the way of the St. Louis Rams at the time to uh to steal him from us because that was our guy and uh yeah we didn't get a chance to to have him (laughs) i mean talk about a guy that was meant to be a bear and it just didn't happen it really sucks so but anyway said i mean you thought he was gonna you know the other two teams were the ones not the rams and they snuck up we had a uh, I believe we had the number two pick, and it's his name is slipping me because I burned it out of my memory. Offense lineman, who I think Greg Robinson was just yeah, Greg Robinson. There we go. So we I, as Rams fans, uh, at least we got one of those right because they took Greg Robinson at number two, and that was a big bust. So yeah, that was uh, part we, of the thankfully, uh, the RG three trade, one of them. right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, part of the RG three trade. The Redskins gave you the second overall pick. Um, so I mean. You, we talked about all these guys that you added. Um, you say goodbye to Sammy Watkins. Tremaine Johnson is headed to the Jets. Uh, Connor Barwin's gone. Tyron Walker. But, again, with the trades, you, you get rid of guys. Uh, pro bowler uh, Robert Quinn. Uh, Alec Ogletree is, is out the door. And Tavon Austin. These were all first-round picks for the Rams, and now they're playing for other teams. Yeah, exactly, and that's that's kind of – you know, part of what we were expecting that was going to happen, right? There was a lot of people coming up. I think there were a couple shocks as far as, you know, Ogletree when he got moved, but that was kind of uh, the understanding that, you know, we're doing something here. We're not going to just, you know, we, he was a great player for us. He was the leader of that defense. Um, But they really said, we need to switch it up. This is Wade's time to build his type of defense. And he wanted to build it through the cornerback position and through the secondary and then adding to the front. And, you know, we had a bunch of young uh, stars that we're kind of really excited about. Mark Barron's still there. That's, you know, been a, a great outside linebacker for us. Corey Littleton's another guy, um, second-year guy that, you know, I think went actually undrafted uh, and played really well for us in Phil of Ogletree when he was hurt and a little banged up. Um, we have Bryce Hager who got some, some time and then Sam Ebelcombe who was drafted last year as well, who played great in his time. So I think they have a lot of guys that they're 
you know, have faith in to kind of take that next leap. And, you know, they built from the outside and in. Uh, so we're excited to see some of these young guys. John Johnson the third, another guy in the secondary, that uh, second-year guy who's already talking about he wants to be more of a leader on the team, which is crazy when you're looking across and seeing all these, you know, great veteran guys and guys that have been in the league, you know, four or five years that are coming up. Uh, and a second-year guy kind of saying, I'm, I'm ready to take my step. And, you know, he's made plays for us last year. So there's talent all over, um, as well as, you know, we're really excited about getting – Dominic easily back he he um, I think it was ACL MCL right during training cap camp last year uh, so we're kind of adding depth there as well so we're excited about what we have as far as the roster goes I think uh, we've made jokes on the podcast at times when they were talking about you know who's who's our linebackers you know we got a lot of these guys that haven't had a lot of experience and you know the whole thing is you know throw me and you in at linebacker for the Rams and you know we can go out and still win 15 games with with the talent surrounding us um, so with these guys stepping in and kind of taking, getting that opportunity to take that next step in their career, obviously Wade Phillips trusts in them and so do we. So saw a lot of guys. Tremaine Johnson was one who not entirely heartbroken by him leaving. I didn't really want to overpay him. He had a couple, uh, decent years and then he had one really great year where he had about eight interceptions and was kind of flying around. But that was, that was two years ago. That was back in St. Louis. Uh, when he came to L.A., kind of had a, a struggle with injuries. Then last year, again, missed a couple games. Did did pretty good in the, in the coverage, but wasn't making the plays that you know we expected. You know, when when we franchise back, franchise tagged him back to back for you know ungodly amount of money of 17 million or something like that. You expect those guys to make big game changing plays. He wasn't doing it, so I'm I'm actually happy to let him walk and go elsewhere and get the money in New York. He deserves a big contract. I just didn't want us to be the one paying him. Sure. Uh, we've got, now we've, you know, instead of giving it to him, we've got Marcus Peters, who's, you know, a handful year younger than him, uh, with kind of what I think of that explosive ball hawking guy who really fits the bill that we wanted Tremaine to be. And now we actually, I think we get the guy. We'll see how he performs in the system, but everything you saw from him in Kansas City is, it's just so much fun to watch, even even throwing a flag in, into the stands, you know, kind of trying to get the crowd into it a little bit. <laughs> I hope he doesn't do that as much over here, but uh, he'll bring that passion that I just we didn't feel from Tremaine. Uh, so we're excited about adding those pieces to the defense. And, you know, I think that uh, probably the one of the more disappointing things was uh, was Tavon Austin. Was that, I mean, this is a guy that had those special moments. I mean, I saw one up close and personal. The last Bear game that I went to was in St. Louis against the Rams. One of the first second plays of the game was a um, was an, was an end around to Tavon Austin, who ran it in for a touchdown. Like literally, like second third play of the game, boom! It's already seven nothing. Tavon Austin just streaking down the field, and nobody can catch him but he he had moments like that but never really lived up to being a guy drafted number eight overall which is supposed to be a special player yeah you said it best I mean he had his moments and a lot of them did come in St. Louis uh, when he got here uh, to LA and Jeff Fisher kept trying to do the bubble screen and kept trying to do the reverse to him and I think that's something you can work into an offense but you can't have that be the only thing this guy does because the, the league picked up on it, and they, when he was in, it was like, all right, it was gadget time. It was follow him around, or, you know, there, no one was afraid. Once he went five yards off the line of scrimmage, everyone's like, whatever, no one's throwing them the ball. Uh, and then the following year with, you know, McVay, we're thinking, all right, we got Sean McVay. This guy's creative, offensive mind. He'll find a way to get Tave on the ball. And when it was nearing the end of the season, you're realizing, like, 
man, even Sean McVay can't figure out a way to get this guy involved in the offense that it's just not meant to be out here. And, and I hope I wish him best of luck because he was big out here for, for the fans and people. You know, it was one of those things where you love to hate him, but then you love to love him, too. It was it was it, it was heartbroken because you wanted him to be so good. You could see you remembered some of those explosive plays and he has that kind of that fun I guess that fun size football player that you're like when he gets going his speed gets going it's fun to watch but uh, he started muffing the the punts and he just couldn't even help out on special teams and he was getting paid a lot of money uh, so that was the other thing it was trying to figure out what are we doing with this guy what are we doing as far as the direction of the team and trying to clear up space to get guys like Aaron Donald paid and you know looking to pick up some of those free agents and sign some of the guys that we're going to go out and trade. So I'm really, really excited that we got to move him on draft day, get him over to Dallas. Uh, they seem excited about him because I think there's a lot of confusion about who's going to be helping out in their offense outside of, of Zeke and, and Dak. So uh, it's, it's a good fit for him. But, yeah, I think it was, it was definitely – he overstayed his welcome here in, in L.A. and kind of one another one of those guys where you're kind of like, enjoyed the time they were here, but – Really, really kind of glad they're they're gone. So we we wrap up the the free agency period with that was more about trades than it was about actual signing acquisitions. I mean, you, like I said, you signed Sam Shield, you signed Dominican Sue, but after that, all the fireworks were done via trade. Whether it was sending guys like Robert Quinn and Alec Ogletree elsewhere, or acquiring Akeem Talib and, and Peters and and, and Brandon Cooks, uh, we get to draft night where because of all those trades, you guys don't pick until 89, which is like second to last pick in the third round or something like that. And uh, you start off with an offensive tackle from TCU, Joseph Noteboom. Now, is this guy, is this somebody that might come in and contribute right away, or is this the heir apparent to uh, an Andrew Whitworth uh, out there? And that's why this draft for us was it started out so boring and then it kind of got a little exciting as we got deeper, which is, you know, usually not the case in draft days, right? Usually mm-hmm. your first couple picks are the ones you get really excited about. And then you're like, Oh, maybe that seventh rounder will, will make the team. Uh, but they definitely, you could tell what they were doing is they loved almost everyone on their team right now. And there, there was talks coming to this. We talked about earlier linebacker edge rush. You know, those were the couple of the pieces that were missing and they went with depth. Uh, Noboom is not a guy that's going to contribute, and we hope he doesn't because we've got our offensive line. I think the only team in the NFL last year to have all uh, starting offensive linemen start every single game together. Uh, no injuries, you know, knocking on wood over here. It doesn't happen very often, but we hope that we can get all those guys to come back and be just as healthy. But he, he's here to be part of the future. You know, we're not sure how much Andrew Whitworth has left. You know, hopefully we can get another two, three years max out of him. Again, same with John Sullivan. Uh, not sure how much he's got. Maybe one or two years with him. Uh, that ended up being our fourth round pick was was Brian Allen, center out of Michigan State. So both those guys, first two picks, really were were brought in to add depth. Um, everyone else past that, we started kind of getting into bringing in talent to try to you know compete or to figure out how they can wiggle into the roster. Uh, John, Clint, John Franklin Meyer was a DN from uh, Stephen F. Austin, which we got in the fourth round. And then it really got excited when we started getting the fifth round. Michael Kaiser, uh, linebacker, and then Obo Okoronko, which he goes by OBZ, and I will probably stick to that the rest of the year because his name is just ridiculously hard to say, out of Oklahoma. Uh, we were kind of hoping they were going to pick him up in the fourth round, and we got to slide into the fifth round and get him. And then we got an exciting, another exciting guy, John Kelly, running back out of Tennessee, 
to kind of be the you know the yin to the yang of uh, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley really didn't have anyone last year. We tried, as we talked about Tavon Austin, we even tried to get him in there at running back last year. I think he got more carries at running back than he did targets at wide receiver uh, by the end of the year. And um, Malcolm Brown was our other running back, but he's never really kind of, he's just been there to be a body more than kind of contributing in a big way. So John Kelly uh, talks of him being kind of like Alvin Kamara. They were teammates last year. They, they kind of have the same style as far as explosive, um, that wiggle that you talk about. And so things got exciting later in the draft for us, but the first couple of picks were definitely for depth. And then we kind of got to uh, start to find pieces to fit to see where else we could kind of make, you know, better in the roster. So your scouting department had their work cut out for them um, because, you know, number one, your first pick isn't until 89. So deep in the third round and then all of your other picks like that, are they're all day three picks. You know, two fourth rounders, some fifth rounders. You had four sixth rounders and two seventh round picks. And we're looking for people that at the very least can contribute on special teams and, and uh, you know, maybe add some some depth, maybe, you know, give a guy a blow from time to time and, and so on and, and so forth. So those guys really had to dig deep to be to still be finding talent in the later rounds in the draft. Yeah, this is probably the most I've watched, you know, day three of a draft <laughs> than ever before, sure. you know, watching these these deep rounds because that was all the picks we had. At one point it felt like, we were trying to collect every sixth round pick. I think before we ended up trading a couple of them, we had like six or seven sixth round picks at one point. And it was like, okay, we're just going to corner the sixth round. If someone's going to be good in the sixth round, we're going to get them. Um, but I, I'm really excited about some of the talent that they got. Um, you can look at this way on a lot of people's boards, right? And you kind of find these guys coming out of college. But um, you know, one of the names I mentioned was Kaiser earlier. Uh, super excited about him. He's just a tackle monster. He led uh, the ACC three years in a row with over 100, 100 tackles each year, and he eight forced fumbles. He's just one of those guys that just is like, you know, that cliche high motor that just doesn't stop and always finds himself around the ball or around the play and usually making the play. So excited to see him and how he'll fit in, like you said, probably on special teams to get going. But since we have a lot of question marks in that linebacking and some of our edge that he could be one of those guys that could come in and hopefully make that impact uh, day one, which is which is kind of funny to think, you know, our fourth, fifth rounder might get more playing time and more impact than our, you know, first two picks coming out in the third and fourth round. Yeah, because like, uh, like I mentioned uh, just before we started recording, I was like, you don't have a first or a second round pick, and somehow you made 11 draft choices anyway. Um, you know, it was a lot of wheeling and dealing. I mean, because you... When we go back and look at some of those some of those trades, Tavon Austin was a sixth was for a sixth round pick. Robert Robert Quinn was a fourth and a sixth, and you know it's like you you uh, you got uh, Brandon Cook and a fourth round pick for you know the first rounder that you sent to New England and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of wheeling and dealing to 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 have that you know plethora of picks that the the Rams were able to to add. To, uh, so many players uh, with and um, you know you usually don't see that too often as far as loading up on those later round picks and hoping to uh, strike oil with at least one or two of them especially from the year before where we gave so many picks to go get Jared Goff sure yeah. uh, not only that year and then the futures is we just didn't have uh, a lot of picks in the last couple of years so for us it was also just kind of like getting back to I think Les Snead was trying to make up, and he, he missed drafting players, and so he, he was wheeling and dealing, like you said, and got some extra picks, and 
Uh, we went from you know barely picking anyone in the past couple of years to to 11 draft picks. So we'll see how everyone fits in. It it's crazy as you do research on these guys and you start to figure out what type of players they are and where they could fit in. And then you kind of st- have to step back and remember there's only 53 guys on the roster. Like some of these guys, you just hope they can make the team. Sure. Because uh, yeah. we have other guys that are already on the team. You know that had depth. Uh, in certain positions like Blake Countless is another guy that's in the cornerback depth that you know was awesome for us in in special teams and uh, Tanzel Smart you know those guys that you, you kind of fell in love with last year that you know didn't do much as far as you know huge amount of snaps but on special teams and you could see the development of them so uh, where these guys fit in is kind of what's going to be fun about training camp because there's not a lot of battles uh, here at Rams camp everything's kind of set I think we've got the linebacking area um, is starting to come together, but there's still probably some battles there. And then the tight ends, you know, who's we've got three tight ends, um, and it's going to be interesting between Tyler Higby, Gerald Everett, who was our you know second round pick last year, our first pick off the board, and then Tamaric Hemingway, who was drafted with Higby but tore his ACL last year, has never really got a chance with McVeigh. Uh, he's got great size; he can block and he can go catch the ball with speed. So uh, I think that's the other you know kind of battle that we'll watch as we come into camp. What was that linebacker's name again? Uh, Tanzel Smart was one of them. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Don't run from it. Just help me out here. What was the the oh, rookie, the fifth rounder? What was oh, his name again? <laughs> Obo Okoronko. Okay. It's very similar to a guy that we drafted uh, this year. Uh, a linebacker out of Western Kentucky, an inside guy. He's built like a tank. Uh, we got him in the fourth round. Um I just saw the Bears do this thing where they call it Meet the Rookies. They do like an eight, nine-minute documentary on on the player, like a profile piece. And uh, I thought his first name was Joel. I found out via the video his name is Yoel. Um, and the name is uh, – and I, I have a friend, uh, my draft expert that I have on the show. Uh, he has his own website, draftcountdown.com. He actually has a page on the site dedicated to pronouncing names like these. And I had to go on that page to figure out how to pronounce our fourth round's pick's name. And um, his name is Yoel E.A. Booneyway. And believe me when I tell you, it is not spelled like that. It is not <laughs> spelled. You would not get E.A. Booneyway looking at that name. You would be like Iggy, Iggy Yabi, Baboon, and something like that. I mean, not to be too you know stupid about it, but that looking at it, there's like phonetically... That says E.A. Booneyway. I'm just going to take your word for it. And, like, what was it, the name that you guys are going to call him by? Uh, OBZ is what he oh. said he, he goes by. So I was like, yes, I can do that. Okay. Well, our guy's going to be Iggy. That's, there you go, right? Because I, like nice I think it's like I-G-I is the first are the three first three letters of his name. He's That's Iggy. He's Iggy. So number 57, I think he is. That's Iggy. And not E.A. Booneyway. So, uh, yeah, that's that's he's going to be Iggy. We got Obizi and Iggy with their 34-letter <laughs> last names that no one can pronounce exactly. and all that kind of exactly. stuff. You get you get choked up trying to get it out uh, and everything. So very similar situations with those rookie linebackers there. So looking forward to 2018, you know, you're, you're expecting a very, you know, aside from maybe a little drama surrounding the Aaron Donald situation, the further it goes along if it makes it into training camp. Uh, aside from that, a very uneventful season because you know who your quarterback is, you know who your running back is, you know who the wide receivers are, you're at least your top three guys anyway. So you said you might have a little friction when it comes to tight end, but the offense is pretty much set. 
Same thing with the defensive side. Maybe we're looking to see who's going to emerge in the linebacking core with no Alec Ogletree uh, and whatnot. But we know, you know, when Donald comes in, you plug him in with whoever's there now, then and Dominican Sue and, and whoever else is on the line. And then, of course, you know who your back, who your secondary is with Talib and and uh, and um, Peters, and then uh, the young kid you were talking about, which was in Lamarcus Joiner. There you go, Joiner. Yeah. Uh, so you know that's that's all set. You have one of the best kickers in the league, and and all the rest of that. So you're right. Your roster is pretty much set. There's not going to be a lot of fireworks in training camp. So we jump ahead to the schedule, and this is the the path that the Rams have to go through in order to live up to the um, prediction I saw in one of the NFL magazines I was checking out yesterday that has the Rams beating the Steelers uh, in Super Bowl Fifty Three uh, this year. You know, you have you start on the road back to back Monday night football. You starting on the road at Oakland and then at Arizona, your first division game right out of the gate. Yeah, so the Arizona game's actually at home. It's our first home game of the year, Is but it? we do start out. Yeah, we start out um, at Oakland uh, on Monday night, welcoming Chucky back to the league. There's a lot of uh, Sean McVay talked about him a lot last year as even as a mentor. Um, you know, coming up through the. They, they'd worked together. They've been in touch. They're kind of, you know, he, he takes things from him. So uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Uh, it's it's crazy because that defense, I think, is better than it was last year. Um, you know, Cleo Mack is going to run that show and bring those guys to really put some pressure on. And then they've added their depth, uh, you know, some new pieces on the offense side of the ball. And Derek Carr, as far as how, what he can do, uh, coming back to what we saw a couple years ago when he was in the conversation for MVP. So that's going to be a fun one on Monday night. And then we kick right off into the, the schedule, obviously, with Arizona, who I have pretty pretty much pretty confident we're going to sweep them again this year. We always play Arizona pretty well, and I still think they're in transition. It's early in the season uh, for them to kind of be figuring out what they're really doing as far as who's their go-to guy uh, that they're going to be throwing to, who's going to be throwing the ball, uh, things like that. But we have a, our schedule is, is crazy tough as you look at it. Obviously, um, you know, we have the Chargers who are getting a lot of noise in the AFC, and it's going to be a fun L.A. battle here at the Coliseum. Uh, Minnesota back here in L.A. Uh, obviously, we know where they went last year and, and the additions they've done. Seattle, who's been just dying to get to us. Uh, our first real far trip, which is amazing as you look at this schedule compared to last year and the year before. Uh, we traveled back-to-back years. We were the number one traveling team in the NFL uh, until week six, we go to Denver, and that's our furthest trip of the year so far. Um, San Fran in our division is going to be interesting. We got Green Bay at home, New Orleans on the road, Kansas City in a different country in Mexico City. Uh, we play you guys late in the late in or early in December, uh, which will be interesting because you know we talked about it a little bit off air, but you know what the Bears are doing right now to kind of position themselves to kind of be what LA was last year. This team that pieces are kind of coming together they've got the young quarterback that now finally has a little bit of experience under his belt and they're really committing to him being the guy they went out and picked up some big free agents as far as giving him some talent uh their defenses look better and um you know that's going to be an interesting game in in december we got the eagles in december and then finish off the season at home versus san fran who there's a lot of talks out here of of them being the next push uh at the nfc west so uh, looking at the schedule, it's exciting as a football fan, but if you're looking at trying to go get 11, 12 wins again, you do see some some scary matchups with 
you know, some of these powerhouse teams and, you know, some of the teams that are getting, you know, guys like Aaron Rodgers back, um, you know, you guys get to see him enough, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun schedule. Uh, You know, it's, you don't want to get ahead of yourselves. You hear a lot of the Rams fans going like, you know, as you're looking at the roster, how do we not go undefeated, man? You know, how do we not go (laughs) win 14, 15 games, something like that. And you're like, you know, this is the NFL, man. We won a lot of games on the road last year. uh, And that was kind of what really built this team, and brought them together, but that's not, you can't, it's tough to do every year to go and win, you know, six, seven, eight games on the road. It's, it's not something that just comes easy depending on, you know, who, even if you're going to play Arizona or, you know, going up to, you know, Denver or wherever you're going. I mean, it's, it's a challenge to, to win on the road. So it's going to be a fun season to watch. I'm, I've got that game in, in early December circled up in Chicago. Obviously I mentioned, you know, my family's out there. It's right around the Christmas time. So I'm actually thinking about making a trip out there and getting back to a cold weather football games. I don't, I haven't had one of those in a long time where right. you just let your beer sit out and it stays cold. Those were, those were the good days. Sure. Well, I mean, looking at the schedule, um, you know, after I incorrectly said Arizona was on the road there to start, I noticed that that meant that after that first game on the road at Oakland for Monday night, you got three straight home games. And then the NFL followed that up by with three straight road games so you're at home for arizona and the chargers then you got the vikings on thursday night football there's your three home games and then your three road games two of the toughest places in the league to win a football game anytime whether you know no matter how good or bad those teams happen to be at seattle at denver and then you finish it off on sunday night football at san francisco so that six game road or that six game stretch there three games at home three games on the road and then after that, it's just, uh, you know, the NFL just like did everything in bunches. Three out of four at home, a week 12 bye, um, which is the latest one that there's that there is right now. And then, uh, you know, three out of uh, five on the road to finish out the uh, the season. So it's kind of all over the place as far as, uh, you know, the, the, the league doing everything in, in bunches, um, you know, having them kind of clustered together like that with the three road games, the three home games three out of four here and then three out of five there and and so on um it just seems like the rams aren't going to get much of a a rhythm as far as uh being at home or being away you know after that first six seven weeks yeah those first you know six seven weeks are going to be crucial i mean obviously to every team but you know we got to win the ones at home uh to get going to kind of build that momentum uh, as I mentioned last year, we were great on the road. We did. We, we almost preferred at some point to play on the road. We talked about. We kind of joked when we lost that playoff game at home and said, "Man, we maybe should have tanked the last game or whatever," because we kind of slid up into that position to get the home game to play on the road because we played better football on the road. Um, we'll see if we can, you know, do that again this year. That's a special thing to be able to to do that so consistently. Uh, the Seattle one, week five on the road, that's you know, our second road game of the year, is going to be tough. Uh, they're pissed off, man. We went up there and, and not only beat them, but we smacked them around pretty good and really yeah. you know, buried them up there. So I know they've been waiting for that one. But the great thing is the Rams play this Seattle so well. I think in the last like four or five years, uh, we have like a 700% winning percentage on them. We, we're really winning that in the in most recent years. So the confidence that we have going into there – uh, it's going to be kind of fun to watch to see if we can continue that because I know we have it right now. And you mentioned Denver, another crazy place to play and the elevation. And then coming out of that, going back and forth, yeah, trying to catch a rhythm. The late bye week, week 12, man, they are going to be ready for that when it comes. Right. Obviously, the Kansas City game right before that is in Mexico City. So 
Uh, the nice thing, if I remember correctly, that's kind of around uh, Thanksgiving. I don't have dates in front of me, but I think that's right around Thanksgiving. I think I remember the guys kind of saying they were excited uh, they were going to get to spend Thanksgiving with the family. So yeah. by there's week, kind of that. By week is Thanksgiving yeah. week, yeah. Which is, which is perfect for them because, you know, and when you're beaten and down and sore and tired to kind of get that week off not only – and then to get to spend it with family around a holiday that in the football football world you don't always guarantee to get so uh, that that should be nice for him. But yeah, gotta finish uh, strong, and we you know with those you know two of the last games in our division, and then uh, like you mentioned you know three of the last five on the road and and one even though it's a home game is against the former Super Bowl champions and you know potentially Carson Wentz if he's healthy. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe we knock him out of the game again. That was that was us that kind of <laughs> ended it. But it didn't really work out for us because Foles went down and ended up uh, winning the game and helping him win the game. So as much as we thought it was going to help us, it didn't really do anything. And it really didn't help anybody the rest of the year anyway. But, uh, yeah, it's a fun schedule for sure. And then, you know, for the for the last week of the season, if if things go the way that people think it might – nobody's going to be sitting down starters in week 17 because that very well could be the game for the division if things go the way that, you know, if the the, the 49ers are this year's Rams as far as your division uh, is concerned, you know, that that game could mean something uh, to both teams and not just, well, if the Rams win, they'll be number two instead of number three and they'll get a bye week. You know, this could be like, well, the, the, the 49ers might be playing for a playoff spot and, you know, the Rams want to keep them out kind of thing. Yeah, it's kind of it's weird because I'm pulled both ways on that because as a Rams fan, I'm like, man, I hope that game means nothing like it did last year, right? I hope we got it locked in by then, got a nice two-game lead on the division. But as a football fan, I kind of step out and go, man, that would be an awesome game if that means something. You know, having Sam Fran come in uh, L.A. late December, getting ready for playoffs, and you got to go win a ball game to, you know, to either for seeding or to knock somebody out because – you know, not only the seeding part, but if it's if it's a chance to knock, you know, potentially one of our division rivals out of the playoffs, oh, that would be a bunch of fun. So uh, I actually kind of pulled it up as we were talking, and I see that tickets right now are only, you know, you can get in the stadium for fifty-four bucks. As we talked about investments earlier in the in the podcast here, this <laughs> this might be an investment right there. Fifty-four dollars. That ticket is going to be crazy if uh, LA is hosting a game to go to the playoffs versus uh, San Francisco. Uh, would be definitely one to be uh, you want want to be there live, right? And then last thing I want to ask you, Spike. Uh, Spike, I'm sorry, I was thinking about Spike Friedman. I I was going to say <laughs> that's our Seattle. That, yeah, that's, yeah that's I was going to talk to him because I did talk to him and and I asked him what happened in that in that game. It's like it's one thing if the Rams come and they beat you uh, in Seattle. It's another thing for them to smash you forty two to seven. And it's like what happened that day. And he was like, basically, everything went right for them. Nothing went right for us. And it just, it was just the beating that kept coming. They got out to this huge lead and, you know, they were turning over the ball and the Rams, everything the Rams did worked and nothing that the Seahawks did uh, went their way. Yeah, it was almost like the tipping point of it, you know, in a cliche way, it was of what was almost meant to happen to them that whole season, right? They, Russell Wilson had been doing everything, he's at the end of his gas tank. He's got no O-line. Their, their defense is all injured and banged up. There's gaps and holes everywhere. Um, you know, they've lost a couple games. They were fighting for their life. The 12th fan was trying to give it everything they can, and we came out, and we came out firing right away and then just didn't let up. And it was kind of like, you're going to need more 
than Russell Wilson to beat this amazing team. And if you can't put it together, whether it's you know on the ground or defensively stop us, then you're in big, big trouble. And I think it was kind of everything that happened bad in their season kind of coming together in one game and just kind of they just just ran out of gas and then when they were down 20 something points in the in the first quarter or whatever it was it felt like it was in the first five minutes um you could just see they just they just kind of gave up uh which for us was just made us go faster harder stronger and it was so so fun to watch i i have uh, ties in Seattle. I lived and went to high school up there. Uh, so kind of talking trash to some old friends throughout that game was so much fun for me. They snuck out of a, a victory here in LA earlier in that season. Uh, Cooper Cup, who we talked about earlier in the podcast as well, dropped a touchdown pass that would have won the game with like 20 seconds left in the game and it ended up being like a 10 to 6 win or something ugly ball game. But um, so to go up there and, and to spank them and kind of show like, hey, this is the team that we came into, especially in that division where Seattle's owned it for so long. Right. Uh, as I mentioned, we played Seattle really well, but we couldn't play a whole season really well at that point. So we never really up there there the end of the year and to kind of watch uh, that go down and, and kind of have that moment on the road for those guys. Uh, it was kind of fun to see them, you know, kind of soak that all in and really you know, they kind of knew they had that in them, but to be able to see it and, and actually do it was kind of, you know, really amazing to kind of see how they reacted during that game. It was just, it was, uh, it was a great Sunday for sure. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, and the real last question that I had for you, Brad, um, is um, <laughs> the Rams, um, they're going to be moving to their stadium that they're going to share with the Chargers. Is it 2020 that that's going to happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They don't push it back. It was supposed to be 2019, but they pushed it back because because of, of that hard rain we get out here in uh, Southern California. Yeah, because it's yeah, Southern California is known for its rain. That's what it's known for. <laughs> um, I am a self-professed uniform snob. Okay. I'm I'm I've always yeah. been an an artist. I've you know been into graphic design. I you know I make you know the logos and stuff for my show and uh, and everything and. Um, while the Rams played well and, and, and looked good as far as their play and everything was concerned, there were a lot of weeks last year where, our, um, you know, they were very hard to look at. Um, you know, wearing the, uh, the blue tops with the gold numbers with the white <laughs> helmet and the white face mask. You know, sometimes they got the pants going in there and, and all the rest of that stuff. As a, as a Rams fan... You know, where do you want them to go with the uniform? Because I think I've heard the Cronky, the owner, say that the old school, like blue and yellow, is a throwback thing that's not coming back when we go to the new stadium. Man, it is. I th uniforms are probably the number one debated thing out here by the fans. <laughs> I swear, it is like. You'll well, have, it like, is you'll... LA after all. They're so yeah, vain exact, within fashion bodies exactly. out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it does tie back into the old school L.A. Rams fans. You know, what they loved was that old school throwback, that yellow and, and blue and, and that really that just, you know, I don't want to say not flashy, but just that old school Ram jersey it's, that they that It's still a good looking with. uniform, man. I still yeah, like those few weeks that they wore it last year. I was like, man, they should bring that back. It really, Kind of like when the 49ers 
you know, had different uniforms in the late 90s and the mid 2000s. And then they brought the old school, just straight up white, you know, red, white and gold. You know, their uniforms look awesome again. It, the, the less is more thing, I think, really worked for the Rams with that blue and yellow uniform. Very much like when the 49ers went back to just the very, you know, plain Jane, red, white and gold uniforms. Oh, for sure. And it's so funny to, to kind of follow along on Twitter and all these other outlets as, you know, we'll break the news. We just picked up Marcus Peters. And the first comment will be like, any news on the uniforms? And you're like, what? Like, how is this? <laughs> it's very, very important to everyone out here uh, as far as what, what, what they're doing there. They've, they're, I mean, there's tons of petitions. There's all this stuff, all this noise about it. The good thing is I, I believe that the NFL actually gave us the nod to extend we're going to only get two games with the throwback unis which everyone here is supporting and the rams organization has gotten behind because they're not stupid they've heard you know their fans and they know what they need to do um and it's going to be interesting what they're going to what they're going to do because the first year that they're allowed to switch the uniform is that year and there was talks actually they were they were allowed to do it in in 2019 and and i don't know if they've actually decided yet if they're going to wait or do it in 2019 they haven't announced if they're going to do that but they may wait till they open the stadium but it's going to definitely incorporate that old school feel if not it's just that old school uniform because of how much noise the fan i mean it's unbelievable the noise the fans have made about the uniforms and it's awesome because the the rams have really embraced the ugly uniforms they they on on their social media uh they did kind of like a um, slot machine type of video where oh, wow. it had all the uniforms <laughs> going up and down and then it kind of just landed on the that uniform you talked about the the navy blue with the white helmet and the white pants and it was so ugly but we won the game i think we played dallas that game yes and we ended i remember that it's yeah, like man they played great I, but holy hell do they look bad yeah, i was actually on board of like let's throw out the old uniforms and just wear ugly ass uniforms because these guys are killing it in it <laughs> um but the the ram social media has been great they did this uh when it landed on that uniform selection they kind of did like a womp 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 nice. and did like the oh well emoji and um went out there and, and won the game but they've had fun with it but it is crazy to hear the fans get into it it's that and then also as you talked about uh you know, sharing the stadium with the Chargers. Uh, L.A. is just not embracing them at all yet. They've got a big uphill battle, and there's so much anti-Charger-ness uh, going on out here, especially as the, the stadium, and, and they're now, you know, everyone's looking at them as the renters and not really, you know, owning anything of that stadium and kind of just being the little little sister, in a sense, almost. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, they've got a pretty good team, you know, one of the best teams they've had in a long time. And if they can put it together and I mean, if they had a kicker last year, they would have been in the playoffs. Uh, but, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they can compete because out here in L.A., just like in Chicago, man, it doesn't really mean anything until you start winning some ball games. So uh, they, they put in the last beam, uh, the support beam for the roof the other day. They've had a big kind of ceremony for it. And they had a, the beam had a Rams logo and a Chargers logo. And then all the construction workers signed it, put a little message on there. And as people were zooming in and seeing what people wrote, there was a lot of like, go back to San Diego and like Chargers suck and like <laughs> all this messages on the board. That is the, you know, the ceremonial piece for the two teams. And uh, they kind of took that opportunity to take another little jab. So it's, it's been fun watching, you know, the two teams kind of go at it. Uh, the Rams actually went down to San Diego and picked up a big radio contract in, in Southern California in the OC uh, so they're now going to have to hear all of the Rams games, which is, you know, has been uh, kind of looked at kind of almost as trolling the Chargers. So 
Uh, it's a game they're playing back and forth. It's kind of fun to watch, and you know we'll find out week three when when um, the Chargers are in the Coliseum hosted by the Rams, and they can actually just fight it out on the field. And you know hopefully that is a, that's going to be a big game for for the Rams just not only in the long in the big picture, but just as far as you know street cred out here in L.A. Yeah, I mean because they got off to that atrocious. 0-4, 0-5 start, and then, like you said, they were you know a, a kicker away from from winning ten games and going to the playoffs uh, last year. But at the same time, even with that late season surge that they had, they were having trouble filling an MLS stadium last year. I mean, yeah. they're playing in an MLS stadium that that holds maybe thirty thousand people, and they couldn't fill it. And when so. they did, it was with the other team. Yeah, the Eagles came in and just dominated that stadium. It was crazy. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all works out and to see how long you know if if the support stays the way it is, how long will the Chargers hang out in Los Angeles before they talk the NFL into letting them move to San Antonio or something like that? You know, one of those markets <laughs> that's been yeah. so thirsty for a franchise for years. You know, and uh, see how that all works out. So I can um, see St. Louis trying to make a push to try to like get back <laughs> at the Rams and try to be like, you know what, we'll take you, we'll take you out here. Right, but yeah, you're right. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be one to kind of keep an eye on. I think that I think if anyone who owns um, Spanos, the guy that owns the team, uh, he knows, man, he'll hang around as long as he's allowed here because the dollars is just so stupid in, in Los Angeles that they're gonna be making in that new stadium. So uh, with all the advertising opportunity and everything, so as long as he is allowed in LA, I think the NFL is gonna have to kick him out before uh, he packs his bags. Sure. So, record-wise, what are you thinking for the Rams this year? What, is, what does it look like when, when you look at the schedule? I know it's early and we, we haven't been to training camp or the preseason yet, but when you look at the schedule, what do you think? You know, I think it's tough because as we went over the schedule earlier, there's a lot of, a lot of tough games in there, a lot of uh, you know, playoff teams of last year and a lot of teams that should have been playoff teams or you expect could be playoff teams this year, Packers, Bears being two of them right off the bat. Um, and I think as far as expectations, what they've done as far as free agency and Sean McVay and the, you know, the growth of uh, Gurley and Goff and that offense, I think we're looking again to go and I think you have to hit that 11 win mark. I think you set the bar there. Uh, you got to go get that again. You got to win the division. Anything over 11 wins or just winning the if 10 wins wins you the division, I think I think we'll we'll be good there. Um, and it is crazy about the expectations, and we talked about earlier and how fast they come. Uh, but you got to go win a playoff game. You got to uh, for this to kind of make sense for everyone to kind of, you know, all the money that was spent to try to get a lot of these guys back. You know, a lot of them are, you know, Peters, uh, Sue, uh, just off the top of my head, are two of the ones that we've brought in that really almost in a sense are one year deal because they're up for a contract next year. Uh, we got to re-sign Gurley and Goff. There's a lot of money that's got to be spent, and we got to, you know, com- have people want to stay here. So we got to go get that win. Uh, I think 11 is the mark. Uh, 12 to kind of be an improvement on the year before uh, would be ideal. And you got to go win a playoff game. And you know, for for Rams Nation, I think as you were talking, as reading in those magazines, everyone's expecting us to, you know, get to the championship game. And, you know, from there, if we can make the Super Bowl, that I think those are kind of where the expectations for the fan base is, is NFC championship game and Super Bowl. Anything other than that, I think they're going to kind of shake their head and go, well, how, how did we not get that done with, sure. you know, what we did the year before and what we added? So I think that's the bar. It's a tough one, but 
uh, listen to these guys. They have a really cool series called Behind the Grind. It's kind of their hard knocks they're running in the off season right now. And just the, I'm sure every NFL team, if you went behind the, the scenes, and you'd probably feel the same feel from it. Uh, but you kind of get that championship mindset. You know, they they understand what they did last year was kind of setting the bar, and now they got to go hit that and, and keep going. So. Uh, they're expecting those things as well, so that's the nice thing. They're not just coming in and going, you know, we're going to try to win as many ball games. You know, they expect to to be in those big time games. And it says a lot that a lot of experts still expect the the Rams to repeat again and to be serious Super Bowl contenders this year, even with as deep uh, as the NFC as a conference is going to be uh, in in 2018. I mean, just the teams that are you know coming back from playoff years. A year ago, teams like Green Bay that that didn't make the playoffs because Aaron Rodgers was was injured. What could San could San Francisco live up to the hype? Can the Bears uh, live up to the hype? Now that Detroit has a defensive minded coach, can he help them balance it out so they don't have to score fifty points a game to to win and and things like that? So many question marks on the NFC side. It could be a murderer's row for someone to actually survive the NFC and get to the Super Bowl. And it says a lot that some people think the Rams will be that team. Yes, we. I, I love that, and I hope that is true because uh, playoff football was fun for one game out here. I can only imagine if we could uh, get a couple extra games in the playoff atmosphere and, and take it. And, you know, it was tough watching those other couple teams, you know, continue on last year and thinking that we could compete with them. So it's going to be fun. I hope uh, the Bears can kind of bounce back because Chicago, as we mentioned a couple times, is just a fun sports city. Everything's a lot better when you get, you know, those those big time cities involved and those big time markets, uh, you know, into the, the those games. So would love to see some, you know, serious football late in, in December uh, out there in Chicago as well. Yeah, I definitely, uh, definitely would agree with you on that. So, so uh, Brad, where can we uh, find you online? What uh, where can we find the uh, the show? Right. Yeah, definitely. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnRams. You can find me personally at LA underscore Rambling Bear. And then you can find the website at uh, LockedOnRams.com. What's the story with the Twitter name? What is that? The Rambling Bear. Yeah, so my nickname of life has been Bear, basically. So I I go by uh, Bear is my nickname since I was in early college. And it just kind of happens to coincide and i was trying to incorporate my name and as you can tell in this podcast as we go you know nearly over an hour i I like to talk so rambling bear my buddy kind of threw it at me when i joined twitter and it just it it felt right (laughs) all right all right well brad thanks so much uh for for coming on the show helping us preview these uh these la rams and uh look forward to having you on in uh in early december uh, just before that week 14 matchup before your uh, your Rams and my Bears and uh, just see how meaningful that late uh, that late season game will be uh, for both teams awesome Larry I appreciate you having me on anytime you want to you know chat some football let me know and as we get closer to that game start maybe thinking of a fun bet you want to do I'm always down to uh, uh, you know see. put a little something on the line and you know whether it's a hat or a jersey or whatever you want to do uh, and if I'm out there in Chicago I'll, I'll look you up we'll have a beer my friend sounds good man thanks so much Brad Mater helping us preview the 2018 LA Rams Once again, I want to thank Brad Mater, the trader, for being on the show. 
and for having a good sense of humor about his new nickname. And um, yeah, I was not expecting that when when uh, when he said that he was a uh, basically a new fan, like the last couple of years decided to go all in and in 2016 when there was zero incentive to do so one of the worst teams in football you know Jeff Fisher a lame duck coach and you know all that kind of stuff uh I don't know you got to respect it a little bit I guess you know for him to dive in on a team like that uh you know I like I, like I said during the interview I totally expected him to say that you know the Bears were, were terrible in, in the mid to late 90s when he was younger and um here comes the greatest show on turf and uh, I've been a Rams fan ever since. That would have made sense uh, then, because uh, when you're young and impressionable, you see something like that. Why not? And uh, but to hear him say that he's been, you know, kind of waning back and forth in his loyalties because he's been moving all all over the country and whatnot, and then uh, for him to move to L.A., he just decided to to go ahead and, and get in on the ground floor with the Rams coming into the market once again. Um, was not expecting to hear him say that. So. Yeah, I look forward to having him back on. I believe I said week 14 is when the uh, the Bears and the Rams butt heads in Soldier Field this time around. So it uh, should be an interesting matchup. Um, very interested to see where all of this is going to be at that point. Uh, if it's a very important game for both teams or just one or neither. You never know. It is the NFL after all. And think about the conversation we had be- before the interview about how crazy it is in the nfc and how deep and the you know a lot like we pretty much have an idea about how it's going to all kind of shake out but it's the nfc hell it's the nfl new playoff teams emerge every single year and could some of those questions we asked about seattle arizona san francisco could they be this year's la rams could the bears like everybody's been talking about could they be this year's uh, la rams i mean when we're sitting there talking in the interview uh about the the parallels of what 2017 2016 going into 2017 was it sounded a lot like talking about the bears we went out we got this young head coach we managed to 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 keep the veteran or bring in a veteran defensive coordinator and uh we had some talent on defensive side already the the offseason for this year was all about adding parts and and pieces to help uh you know rise the stock of our young uh thriving quarterback and blah 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 i mean that's why everybody keeps drawing these parallels between the bears and the rams just because you can't deny that they were on very similar paths with each other uh very similar paths parallel to one another so it's it's uh, been interesting uh, to see, I mean, and it just sounded like we were talking about the Bears when we were actually, in fact, talking about the Rams and them actually being able to work out uh, what they were trying to accomplish a year ago. Can the Bears do that uh, this year? And then finally, um, the bet thing. Um, I'm probably not going to do that. Uh, I'm superstitious um, when it comes to things like that. Uh, I um, kind of follow the the rule that I guess got Pete Rose busted by the hall of fame or, you know, booted out of the hall of fame or booted out of baseball, I guess I should say was that, um, you know, I guess they found evidence that he was betting on his own team and you never bet on your own team. So, you know, back when I used to work in the, uh, when I used to work for AT&T and, and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by Packer fans after they won the Super Bowl in 2010, um, Everybody was wanting because they all knew that I was a huge Bears fan. They all knew that I had the podcast and all that kind of stuff. Everybody always wanted to do some kind of bet with me, and I would never take it. Not because I didn't think the Bears could win, 
but because I was certain that if I did bet on them, they would lose. And not because I'm bad luck or anything. It's just like that's that's the superstition. And I don't believe in betting on your own team. You want to talk about Rams, 49ers, or you know, anything like that. I'll 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 take that bet. You know, Colts, Patriots, whatever. Let's do that. I'll I'll will t- take that bet. But you want to talk Bears? Anybody? No way. I won't do it. It's uh it, like it's a superstition that I've had for many years. Uh, I don't believe on on betting on my own team. So I do not think that I'll be taking Brad up on that offer to do the whole bet just to make things interesting. Blah blah. blah. No way. I'm I don't do that. I am vehemently against doing such a thing. I don't bet on my own team. So um, as fun as that sounds, not going to take them up on it. I can tell you that right here, right now. So uh, anyway, that is going to do it for the L.A. Rams. That is going to do it for the NFC West. We move on to the NFC North. And uh, believe it or not, uh, aside from our beloved, who awesomely finished in last place once again, Um, The last place finisher outside of that was Green Bay last year with a 7-9 record. So the Packers are actually up first uh, in our NFC North opponent preview. So Evan Western from the Acme Packing Company on SB Nation will be joining us on Monday night uh, to help preview these Packers and talk about what a year it was for for them in 2017 and and this, that, and the other. Looking forward to hearing what that's going to be like because we played early last year, uh, week week four and week week 10, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, yeah, Rodgers had been hurt at that point, but they weren't, the season wasn't quite over with yet. Uh, when they played us and uh, for that week 10 matchup that I lost my mind over. I'm sure you guys remember. I got a lot of comments about that. You guys enjoyed my tirade after that game. But, um, you know, a lot's happened since then. Rodgers was healthy. He came back, only came back for one game, and then the Packers kind of threw in the towel uh, and all the rest of that. They made some moves during the offseason. They got a brand-new GM and so on and so forth, made some really interesting moves during the draft. So lots to talk about, lots to uncover there uh, with Evan. And then later on in the week after the holiday, we're going to have Jeremy Reisman from uh, Pride of Detroit to talk about the Lions and then we wrap it up with Chris Gates before we talk about the Bears and shut it all down before training camp kicks off on the 19th for our beloved. So we'll be back on Monday with our first NFC North opponent preview episode 11 of 14 and until then my name is Larry D and this has been the Chicago Bears Review.